0: the extra holiday like we have with with others Uh, but it's that people went fought and shed their blood uh, so that we could be free in this country and and we still are as as much problems sin that America has grateful that this is still the greatest country and uh, thankful that God has allowed us to be I wonder sometimes what our life would be like what your life my life would be like if we weren't born where we were born and so there's a reason why everyone still wants to come here. This is still the land of opportunity, but it's because there are many who fought and gave up their, their blood, their life for it. But we want to remember as well, each day, today, tomorrow, the memorial of the Lord Jesus Christ, that He did something that no man could ever do for us. That He came to this earth, He died a death of which we deserved, He died uh, the death of a criminal, He shed His blood for our sins. Our sin was placed there upon Him in the wrath of God, Abide there upon Him. The Lord died for us. Gave up His life for us so that we could live. He was buried. He rose on the third day according to the Scriptures so that all who put their trust in Him have salvation. And that's a greater freedom than anyone or anything can give us in this world. It's a freedom to not just be saved from sin and saved from hell, but we can be now free to enter into communion and fellowship with the Lord forever and forever. This morning, a couple of announcements. want to remind everyone of this. we got a VBS workers meeting immediately after the morning service right down here. It uh, should be just real brief. want to get some schedules and stuff to you. We're just two weeks away from VBS. Uh, it starts uh, We've got on June 7th for VBS preparation. It's a Wednesday night, the Wednesday before VBS starts. We're going to have folks here to decorate, and if you don't want to decorate, we've got some others who can go out. We've got Um, door knocker door hanger flyers and so we'll go do some door knocking, try to invite some folks out for VBS and so we'll either be decorating that evening or uh, inviting folks and I'm inviting y'all to decorate so I'm inviting y'all to either decorate or or come do some invites remind you as well about the baby bottle campaign Uh, it is still happening today and through Father's Day Uh, and thank you guys I've already seen some full baby bottles back there so praise the Lord for that And then as well, I want to thank you guys and as well remind you that there are still some more spots to help out with the VBS snack donation. The list is on the back. Just sign up there. And then when you have it, feel free to drop it off in the kitchen back here. There's a section uh, for all the VBS snacks, all right? Um, I want to let everyone know, too, uh, of the arrangements for Geneva Goad and to continue to pray for the Jones family. Uh, Geneva Goad will have uh, the... Uh, visitation for the family this Wednesday from 1 to 2 at Von Gwen here in town. And then right afterwards, there's just going to be a graveside service um, that anyone is welcome to go to at the Alderman Cemetery on Spring, Spring Willow Road. And so that will be following the visitation from 1 to 2. And so if you're able to make it, support them. I know that they will greatly appreciate it and continue to pray for their family during this time. Wanted to look at a scripture this morning as we open up our service. Psalm 5, verse number uh, 11, tells us this Let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee, for thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous with favor, and wilt thou compass him as with a shield. Today, May we put our trust in the Lord and may we rejoice because we put our trust in the Lord. May we shout for joy because he defends us even now. May we praise the name of the Lord and do so joyfully, joyful, joyful, joyful. The mark of a Christian is their joy. If there's anything that a Christian ought to be, it is joy filled because as we just said at the beginning, We have been saved from sin, death, and hell, and not just saved from things, but saved to things. We've been saved to know Christ, to freely enter into his fellowship, and that's why we're here today. So let's lift up the name of Jesus joyfully today. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time. We're grateful that we can gather to worship you. Lord, help us now to fulfill what your word tells us here in this psalm to not only put our trust in you but to shout for joy because of who you are and what you've done for us what you're doing for us even now in this moment the things that we can't see lord may we be joyful as we lift up our hearts as a living sacrifice to you as we sing may we glorify you may we Think and meditate about the words that we sing and the meaning behind them and that they are pointing us to you. Draw us into close fellowship with you, with one another. And Lord, I pray that as your word goes forth today that Christ would be revealed, uh, that people, including myself and each one of us today, Lord, would come to you now by faith, receive your word by faith, and Lord, that you would do a work in us, through us, and for us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Good morning, Uh, I hope you all have prepared your hearts this morning to worship the Lord and maybe that would entail like what I like to do on Sunday morning is listen to some good Christian music, some old hymns that I really enjoy that helps prepare my heart but maybe you should also do something like pray, read your Bible and really look forward to an exciting day in the Lord's house where you can leave and say truly it was great to be in the house of the Lord today. So if you would all stand, we're going to open up and we're going to sing, it is well. Now when we get to the refrain, <coughs> the men are going to sing, it is well, and the ladies are going to follow, it is well, and then with my soul, the man, and then the ladies going to follow. That's the way we normally do it. So let's do it that way, and maybe I'll even pick who won, the man or the women, <laughs> how's that? I'll be a fair judge. i okay? (laughs) Okay, as you remain standing, we're going to sing to God be the glory. And I hope everything you do for the Lord points to the Lord and gives him glory for it and not yourself. So let's all sing to God be the glory. I guess that's kind of a tradition. We kind of lean a little bit, but if you're going to lean, lean toward the right. Don't lean toward the left, okay? (laughs) (laughs) So I'll sing um, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. Somebody wave to them or give them a kiss, whatever you desire to do, whatever feels c- comfortable oh, for you. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what they did in the older days. Right. Isn't that what it says in the Bible? Greet each other with a holy kiss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe not everybody. Hey, I ain't gonna lie. Don't breed hey, go,
2: somebody come up and kiss me, you gonna get unholy real quick. <laughs> <like that. laughs> Especially if it's a yeah, guy, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's <I>
1: You got it special, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm <laughs> <You're> running away. He's running away. Well, there's a lot of people missing today. I don't know, holiday, they're driving off or they're sleeping or. I don't know, but where are they? <laughs> about, I'd say 20 to 30 people missing. Wouldn't you? You set up here all the time. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. It's
3: at least that many missing. Uh, so I don't know. It's a good morning to sleep in. about that <clears throat>
1: if you'd all bow your heads and pray with me and we'll have one following song after that dear heavenly father we pray that you heard our praises lifted up to you this morning lord we faithfully lifted our hearts up to you lord and we know the holy spirit was present with us this morning lord we pray that you'll be with pastor joe as he does the preaching lord and our hearts would be open to your word we'd be attentive to the word We'd put the word in our hearts and we would obey the word, Lord, and live that word where we'd be a living witness for you, Lord. We just pray that you'll be with the rest of our service, Lord, as we continue to lift you up in the next song. And everything we've done here today would be pleasing unto you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now this is J.L.'s, one of his favorite songs. I've heard him say before. If you can't get blessed from this song, your blesser is broken. (laughs) But we have such such a finite mind, I almost got it wrong, we have such a finite mind that we have a hard time getting a hold of who God is. But if you're studying God's word and you're praying and you're attending church regularly, that will help you a lot. And this song does a very good job of incorporating some (laughs) verses almost directly out of the Bible to give you a prospect of who our God is. about an hour and a half or two or I don't know depends.
0: depends take your Bible and turn with me once more to Deuteronomy chapter number five Deuteronomy chapter number five what a great day to worship the Lord together there's no greater place to worship the Lord, I think, but outside of heaven, be right here. This is great. And so thank, thank the Lord for this. Uh, I love each Sunday, not just because it's Sunday, uh, and to be honest with you, it's not because I just wake up so excited where I can't go wait to blow up my voice for about two or three hours. This is going to be great. And get all these scowls and stares at me. This is wonderful. <laughs> I, love I love it. But it's because of, it's because of the people. And the Lord's here. And I, I love you guys. I'm grateful uh, that God has brought us here today. Today, I want to read verse number 11 for us today. This is we're going to be looking at the third commandment today. We've been talking about faithful foundations, the heart and the home. I believe that the Ten Commandments, they do several things for us. One, they reveal to us who God is. Uh, each commandment shows us who God is, what He's like. They show us not just what He desires and what He expects, but they show us the very nature of, attitude, attributes, actions of who God is, right? When you read these Ten Commandments, you're not just getting a list of, okay, well, don't do this and do that. We're getting to know who God is. We're getting to behold our God. Every time we open up this Bible, and especially when we look at His Word of what He has commanded, because God only commands. And when He does command, it is flowing from His character, from His nature. This is for our good and for His glory that we look at this. This is for our heart's good. This is for our home's good. Look at these. We're going to look at verse number uh, 11. Commandment number 3 today and how it affects our heart and our home. It says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Let's read that one more time. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless, that taketh his name in vain. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you. God, I pray that now this would not be a vain moment in time, but rather this would be a time where you reveal yourself to us, your people, through your word. God, I pray that we would see Christ today, that if there's one today who does not know you as Lord and Savior, that they would be called to repentance and faith, that they would believe the gospel, that they would be born again today. Lord, we sang it earlier, the vilest of the vilest, of sinners who truly believes, Lord. We, we trust that today. We trust that you desire to save sinners today. We, we trust that you desire to uh, sanctify your saints, to, to build and protect your church. I pray that you would do that today. and God, that you would get me out of the way, that you would guard every heart and mind and tongue in this place today, that you would be glorified in all things. Lord, may we know the power of your name. In Jesus' name, amen. A.W. Tozer once wrote, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. He's absolutely right. When we think about God, this is where everything begins. And, and here's the issue that often happens. We think that we have to be in one camp or the other. We think that we have to be in the analytical, intellectual camp, the one that knows all the studying and reads all the, all the doctrines and all the theological books that are about that big, right? And, and to be honest with you, I've read them, and they could really be about that big if they really wanted to, right? They just want to sound real smart, right? Then we've got the other camp, and we think we've got to be either in that one to be a good Christian. Or we've got to be in this one. This is the one that gets super excited. We'll run the aisles. We'll, we'll cry. We'll, we'll you know, feel the, the tinglings on the back of the neck. We think the, the emotions, that's where it's at. So, what happens to us is we either think we've got to be this to be right with God, or we have to have that alone to be right with God. And this camp thinks that you can't have emotions, and this one thinks that you can't use your brain, and we're stuck. But here's what worship is. Worship at its very root is a giving of the mind's attention and a surrendering of the heart's affection. It does not just do one and not the other, but our mind's attention this morning must solely, if we're worshiping the Lord, be on the Lord. And our heart's affection, not merely attention. But I can tell you this, and as we've seen with the commandments already, and as we already know, where your heart's affection is, that's what you love, right? Today, I, I get to celebrate with my wife seven years of, of marriage. Absolute bliss, right, honey? Y'all saw her shake her head, right? <laughs> She's probably thinking of an antonym for bliss. Maybe, I don't know. But it's been bliss for me. But I'm grateful. But I remember the the... the times and and you guys might remember this as well those of you that have been married more than seven years you know that there was a time or a point in your life where you go you know I think I I think I like her right and there was a time even for our wives and this is what holds on that there was a point where she thought I was cute she thought I was funny she thought I was worth dating here we are right and then that thought turned into an affection right Some of you might have had that good old love at first sight. It was for me, right? Of course. It it really was. I I said, if I can get her to go out to eat with me at least once, I'm going to try to keep her. And then, praise the Lord, she still keeps going out to eat with me. So we might be together because I take her out to eat. I don't know. I'm going to take it. I'm going to ride this train (laughs) to infinity and beyond. But then the relationship was more than just, I think I like her. And it was more than I feel feel like I like her because love came in and love thought about all the reasons why I love her and then it fluttered at all the reasons why I love her right And when we think about we're called to love God and should love God because thou that's our new nature the moment you trusted Christ you have a new nature you went from not being able to love God to now it's all I mean that that's it to love God To love God is to know God. Know God is to love God. To love God is to worship God. And worship is a giving of the attention of our mind, the affection of our heart. Our hearts and our homes are dependent upon this. The way that we think and feel and believe about God. Our children are dependent upon how we use the name of the Lord our God. The reason why you might have grown up to talk to your spouse the way that you do is because at one point you were a child and listened to your parents speak to one another, correct? I learned pretty early on, and then I learned it in these seven years, that my name, she took my last name, right? But even more than that, we say each other's names a lot, don't you? Normally, when you talk to people, you try to say names, and if you live with them and you're married to them, you at least like to know their name. Normally you speak it, you say it, lovingly, affectionately, sometimes not so much. And you know this, the longer that you're married, your name remains the same, but how your name is said affects the way that you respond, does it not? If I hear, hey Joe, good morning. It's going to be a good day. We're good. If I hear Joe, that sounds different, doesn't it? Some of y'all have heard that, but it's been your name, All right? Then, I don't know if y'all know this or not, my name is not actually Joe. I've lied to you for two years. It's Joseph. When I hear Joseph, I see you already said, uh-oh, you already know. It could be good. It could be good. But then if I hear Joseph insert middle name, okay, nobody knows it. At least no one's brave enough to yell it out. What? Shh. No, shh. And I know I'm in real trouble. Based on how we say a name, right? Once you and I to understand this day: How we say the name of God means everything in our relationship with God. How we use the name of God is simply the fruit of what we believe about Him. And when we look at this today, already I'm certain that there are some in here today who go, Pastor... Joe, Pastor Joseph, Pastor Joseph middle name, if it's a bad day. I got this commandment in the back. I, I don't say GD. We all, I cringe when you hear it, right? I, I don't say Jesus Christ as a cuss word. I'm good. I grew up, and this sounds silly, but I, I'm dead serious. I grew up. There was a point in time in my life I thought Jesus had a middle name of H. Y'all have heard it. It's a breaking of this command. It's not merely a breaking of this command. It is looking at God and speaking to Him in such a way that degrades His character. It's worse than going from Joe to Joe to Joseph, to Joseph's middle name. But every time we misuse and misrepresent the name of God, that's precisely what we do. When we look at this and we understand our hearts and our homes and how dependent they are upon a relationship with God, when we think about God's name, ask yourself, take a moment, what do you think of when I say God? What do you think Think of when you read the word God. Capital G-O-D. Or perhaps J-E-S-U-S. What do you think of? Who do you think of? Why do you think of? Because what you think about God, it better come from this book. Because this is how God said, this is who I am and this is what I'm like. This is how you're going to know me. If our thoughts about God and how we speak about God are not coming from this book. We're breaking the commandment. And we're not merely breaking the commandment, we're breaking our relationship with Him. We're professing that we love God, but yet the way that we speak about God does not profess love for Him. Now when we think about the Ten Commandments, this is to call us to faithfully obey these commands of God as an act of worship. Matter of fact, all that we do, as said earlier, all that we do is to be to to God be the glory, right? To the glory of God alone should be our life and our hearts and our homes. The goal of our heart, the goal of our home must be the glory of God alone. That's it. It's not it's not bigger bank accounts, it's not the American dream, it's not another country's dream, because their dream it wants to be our dream. God's dream for us is that we get into his word and we know him and we follow Him, and we obey Him, and we love Him, and we train and teach our hearts to do likewise and our homes to do likewise, and we glorify Him in all things. That's what eternity is going to be. Until the day the curse is removed, we're going to struggle in this department because we're still in this mortal flesh. But nevertheless, it should still be our heart's desire and our goal. Worship, truly, as we talked about, the the mind's attention, the heart's affection, it is rooted in faith and obedience. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Now, each commandment here of the Ten Commandments, we've got to understand this before we go any further today, it is more than a technicality. If these commandments were only technicalities, we could keep them. If these commandments were only technical commands, we could keep them. If these were only stop signs, red light, yellow light, green light, and don't take a U turn, watch for pedestrians, if they were only that, we could keep them. Has anyone kept these commandments? One Jesus. Not me, not you. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us if we are guilty of one, we're guilty of. All And you know why? It's because every commandment points directly to God. It reveals His character. So here's let's break this down. If we take God's name in vain, you know what else we're doing? We've also made an idol of ourself. If we make an idol of ourselves, now we have another God. Now we've broken the first three. We haven't even made it to four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten yet. But the hope is this. Jesus Christ obeyed perfectly, completely, He died willingly and lovingly on the cross. And all those who trust in him, our sin is imputed to him. His obedience is imputed to us. Praise the Lord. I am safe, secure, and saved in Jesus Christ alone. That's it. That's all I've got. If my hope to enjoy heaven is me keeping these commands, I may as well quit now. I've got no hope. But because of the gospel, I do have hope, and we have hope today. So when we read these commandments, we must look at the gospel. Because if not, we're just going to go, woe is me. Now, ought we go, woe is me? Yes. But the woe ought to take us to worship. And a woe that doesn't take us to worship doesn't understand the gospel or has not caught a glimpse of of the cross in a long time. The Pharisees and the hypocrites of Jesus' day, they focus on the technicalities of the command. Whereas Christ focused on the motivation of the heart, He focused on faith. He focused on the inner man, not the outer. The inner man, if it's right, the outer man will do what's right. So this is why we focus today and in this series on making sure our hearts are right and faithfully founded upon what is right before God so that our homes will be established before God. Our hearts and our homes must not only know the name of God, but we must be careful that we do not abuse and misuse His name. As we look here once more, I want to read for us, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. First of all, we have to consider our God first. Before we consider how we can obey, we've got to consider the one who's given the command. Before we can consider obedience, we've got to consider who God is in this. And in this command, as we talked about in every command, God says, this is who I am. He's doing much more than just say, don't do this and do that. He's saying, this is who I am. This is who God is. Let's define the command first of all. Notice the word, thou shalt not take. Y'all understand what thou shalt not means. It means don't do it. Thou shalt not. The rest is where we're focused. Everything else, thou shalt not. He says, take. In order to take, what take means here is to carry, to lift up, or to exalt. It's used with three different ideas in the language. One, it is that of to take up here. It is to take a name up in something. It is to swear an oath in a court of law, right? Y'all ever watch courtroom? Uh, I, I've, I've gone to court. I've done jury duty. I did jury duty for uh, uh, Judge Judy. Y'all heard of her? Y'all heard of Judge Judy? That's how I grew up, right? I used to watch those shows growing up. I, I was raised a heathen, I'm telling you, right? Praise God for his grace. But I remember watching those shows, and everybody always hand on the Bible, right? I remember growing up, and, and kids would say, I swear to, right? Or, I swear on a stack of Bibles. Or they might say, I swear on my grandmama's grave. Go, your grandma, ain't even, I just saw her pick you up from school yesterday. What are we doing? This oath and this swearing. That's the idea to take up. The second way it was used is this the picture of a soldier who would wear his armor, either his breastplate or his, or his shield, that would identify him with the name of his country or king or people. That's his identity, right? That's who he is. That's how you could tell. They didn't have quite uniforms, but they would wear the insignia uh, on that. Flags, cross-shaped things on their shields or on their chest plate, right? Certain feathers on their helmets. The third way in which it's used is of a bride who takes up the name of her groom. Takes on that name. So when when my wife, when Cammie married me seven years ago today, at like 2.15-ish, she was no longer Cammie Forrest. And ever since, she's not been known as Cammie Forrest. She's been Cammie Bryant. Why is that? Because she took up the name. To take up something is not merely to lift up, but it is to lift up an identity with. It is putting your weight upon the weight of it. It is going, this is who and what I am and what I identify with. It's much more than simply saying a curse word. Notice the name here. The name, name here is important. He says the name of the Lord thy God. Now, what's in a name? As we said earlier, and we talked about this, how my name gets said determines how I'm going to respond. If it's a full name, a shortened name, a nickname, or a good name, or a name that's said long or exaggerated or with some tone, now I know what I'm working with here. But the idea of a name is much more than what you are called. It is the character of who you are. Now, it is the idea of reputation, character, and even that of authority. So our name alone is not our identity. I'm not just Joseph. I'm not even just Pastor Joe. That's not really who I am. I belong to Christ. I'm identified with His death, His burial, His resurrection. I am dead, buried, risen with Him. That's who I am. Pastor Joe, he's not even here. Joe, he's not here. Joseph, he's not here. Joseph's middle name, he's not here. I am in Christ before the eyes of God. If you're saved today, that's who you really are. You're not just your name. And here's the thing. We are careful about our names, aren't we? We want to make sure our names and identities don't get stolen. We're careful about how we have others treat our name. We want to make sure that we keep a good name and we want to have a good name in the community. We want to have a good name with one another. We want to make sure sometimes, even to a fault, what we do is we get prideful and we go, I want people to know my name and to know that it's a good name. When we think about the name of God, it is the greatest name that there is. It is the only one that has authority, let alone the one that has absolute authority. It is the only one that has the power to save. His name is his character and his nature. You see, someone may remember your name, but they won't forget your character. As a matter of fact, what happens is the more that you perhaps misbehave or develop poor character oh they'll remember your name but they're going to associate with that poor character choice won't they if you ever hired fired somebody or if you hear some name in town pop up and I've had this happen we're talking to somebody and I'll have a name come across and they'll go (sighs) none of y'all's names though y'all are good everybody out there right But I've heard this here in the community because you know everybody's name, but it's more than just their name. It's not that you don't like their name, their first name or their last name or what they're called. It's you don't like the character. Now, when we're talking about the name of God, we're talking about His nature, His character, His worth, His authority. Notice this. Thou shalt not take, identify with the name, His authority, His person, His reputation, His character, The Lord thy God in vain. Now we're getting somewhere. Now we're getting pretty serious, aren't we? This is the word Yahweh Elohim. This is the holy self-existing Creator God, Lord of all creation, both making and keeping covenant with His people who has redeemed them by His Word and His work. His very name, the Lord thy God, declares His attributes, His actions, His authority over all things. The name, the Lord. The Lord thy God. It is who He is. His name is wonderful. Counselor. The mighty God. The everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. He is Jehovah. He is the Lord. He is El Shaddai. He is all of these things. Every name that you hear and read in the Bible, it is telling us who God is. Now here he's saying, because this is who I am, do not use that name associating with my character, my authority, my nature, my attributes, and misuse it. Right now you still might be going, well, pastor, I'm good. I don't say GD and I don't use Jesus Christ as a cuss word. I'm, I'm good. Are we talking about mere technicalities or are we talking about a heart? Are we Are talking about the motivation of our life? As we move further, look at the word vain. The word vain here is vanity, emptiness, falseness, even that of worthless. Do you think the name of God is worth something? Let's ask it again. Do you think the name of God is worth something? We've just sung it, haven't we? Quite a bit. We've sung to Christ. We have lifted up His name. Do you think that the name of Jesus is worth something in your heart? It should be. It's worth everything. It's the very reason why you exist physically, let alone have spiritual life, because of Christ. How about, does it have worth in your home? It ought to, right? The two go hand in hand as the heart goes the home, right? There is nothing worth more than the name of God. Words have weight and meaning. And God's name is the heaviest of weights. And it is the most meaningful of words. The very name God. Or perhaps, let's go a little more detailed, the name the Lord Jesus Christ. It tells you all that you need to know about who He is. It tells you not just who He is, but what He's done for you and His authority over you and the fact that one day you'll stand before Him and that you will meet this God face to face. He says don't take it in vain. Don't make it worthless. Don't use it worthless. Don't use it aimlessly. Don't use it frivolously. Don't use it vainly. So here's the the command as we define it. We must watch the motivation, the message of our mouth when we speak the name of God. When we speak the name of Jesus Christ. This tells us what His character is. Isaiah 48 tells us this. The Lord is speaking and He says in Isaiah 48, verses 9-11, through For My name's sake will I defer My anger. That's a message by itself, folks. Here Israel had rejected and rebelled against God time and time again. The One who had created them and made them and saved them and redeemed them and made covenant with them and kept covenant with them, though they went up and down and in and out over and over and over again. He says the reason why I will defer My anger is because of My name. It's who I am. He's the God of mercy. The God of love. Not just the God of wrath and justness. And He's not one at one time and one at another. He is all those things all at one time because He's God alone. He says, And for my praise will I refrain for Thee that I cut Thee not off. Behold, I have refined Thee, but not with silver. I have chosen Thee in the furnace of affliction for mine own sake. Even for mine own sake will I do it, for how should my name be polluted And I will not give my glory unto another? One thing that is always fun is when someone goes on a trip here at the church or if I'm taking the church van out, if someone's here, you know what they always tell me? Remember, you're, you are representing the name of the church. Be good. Yes, ma'am, All right here. <laughs> Why? Because I'm representing that name. That name's going with me. My name's out there. I get weird phone calls from people because my name's on the website and stuff. It's just there. It's associated. Now, to to mess up a church's name, that's a terrible thing. Would you agree? To hurt the name of a local church that is associated with Christ, the bride of Christ, the Body of Christ, that's a tragedy. But to do so to the name of God is far worse it's one thing to abuse that church sign's name out there. That's not who we are anyways. We are the church of Jesus Christ at 500 South Main Street, Hillsville, Virginia, 24343. We like the name Victory Way, and that's what we call ourselves. That's what we invite people to. But what we're inviting people to is a larger body of Christ to the kingdom of God to know the Lord. So what we belong to is not just a Victory Way. We belong to Christ. Who belong to his name, and for his name's sake things should be done. For his name's sake, how about Exodus chapter three? Moses is there, and he says unto unto God, he says, "Behold, when I come to the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, the God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them?" Now this is important because Moses is not to be saying, "Hey, uh, they done forgot your name. Who are you again?" No. He's saying, I need to know the authority of which I'm being sent, the authority of which I can preach that we're going to be delivered from Egypt or else they're not going to believe me. And the name is the important part. God said in the very next verse, uh, Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, God said to Moses, I am that I am. That's who God is. He is the Lord that has all the weight. All the authority, all the promise, all the protection, the name of God is all that Moses needed to do what he had been called to do. It was the name of God that would deliver his people. The name of God. Later on in Moses' life, God has spoken to him, given him the Ten Commandments already, of which we're reading here now, a second giving of it in Deuteronomy 5. But back in Exodus, he gives it to them and while he's giving them the law that people begin to play the harlot down below the mountain, as they see God overtaking in his presence upon a mountain, they go, well, let's, let's make our own God. So they melt down earrings and rings of gold, and they worship. And in the process, what they do is they break every commandment that God had just given. Moses comes down, he throws down the, the tablets of stone that, that God himself had written. He throws them down in anger and all of these things, it's a mess. At this point, he's already melted down the golden calf, m- made him drink of the ashes, uh, I mean, the whole thing. People have died because of the sin. And now in Exodus 33, what God does here to meet with Moses and Moses comes to him and, and he's speaking to so the Lord, said unto Moses, verse 17, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight and I know thee by name. God knows Moses by name. His name knows His name. That's pretty good, isn't it? But Notice what Moses does. Moses said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. What Moses is asking here is, Lord, show me what your name means. Show me. Peel back your name that I might see who you are. So when we see I am that I am, or the Lord thy God, or Yahweh Elohim, Jehovah, when we see the Lord Jesus Christ, But Moses is asking here, what we must do even this morning in our hearts and our homes, is he says, Lord, peel it back so I can see through mere letters and see who You are. I want to see Your glory. I want to see Your character, Your nature. I want to see You. Not just Your name, but I want to see Your name. He said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. This is God speaking. He says, and I will be grace to whom I will be gracious and will be show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me and thou shalt stand upon a rock and it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by that I will put thee in a cliff of the rock and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away mine hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. He's literally going to see the afterglow of God's glory. Literally what he's doing is he's hiding Moses to protect him from himself, from his own glory being revealed. He's going to peel back his name for a moment to let Moses catch the backside of who God is. I tell you today, I don't want to just know God from a piece of paper written down or a name that I write down or a name that I say, I want to know who God is behind it. Because His very name is who He is. I don't want to just simply use the name of God frivolously or because it's there to use. We need to use it knowing that it is associated with His very being in nature. The Lord said unto Moses, He thee two tables of stone like unto the first, and will write upon these tables the words that, thou were, that were in the first tables which thou breakest. What a reminder that God does. God is going out of His way to do all this for Moses and still says, hey, don't forget, you broke them. The children were breaking the commandments while Moses was breaking the commandments. But God is still showing Himself faithful to reveal Himself to Moses. Why? Moses asked. And that's God's nature. To reveal Himself by grace so that we might respond by faith to know Him in fellowship with him. He says, Be ready in the morning and come up in the morning in Mount Sinai and present thyself to me there in the top of the mount. No man shall come up with thee, neither let any man be seen throughout all the mount, neither let the flocks nor herds feed before the mount. And he hewed two tables of stones like in the first, and Moses rose rose up early in the morning and went up into the Mount Sinai. And The Lord commanded him and took in his hand the two tables of stones. God preaches here in the next few verses. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with Him there. How does God a Spirit stand? You ever wondered that? This is the Lord Jesus Christ, veiled in a cloud of glory, hiding with His own hand, Moses in the cleft of the rock. Jesus Christ, the rock of ages. There in the cloud, yet shining brightly, Preaching the Word. Preaching His name to Moses. Verse 5. He stood with him there and he proclaimed the name of the Lord. Now I thought God said, I'm going to give you the commandments again in the two tables. He is. It's in His name. The name of God gives these commands. These commands point us to the name of God. They tell us who He is and the message that God preaches to Moses here to show him his glory is he says, this is my name. The Lord passed by before him and proclaimed. It's the best message ever preached, best sermon ever preached. The Lord, that's point one. The Lord God, that's point two. Merciful and gracious and long-suffering and abundant in goodness In truth, keeping mercy for thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and the fourth generation. Why? Because the heart affects the home. And how we speak of God, how we worship God, it will affect our homes greatly. And Moses made haste, bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. the only response to hearing the name of God ought to be worship. The name of God itself drives our hearts to worship Him. As we see this, before we go further, let me ask, when we use God's name, is it worshipful or is it wasteful? When we say the Lord Jesus Christ, when we preach it to our hearts and we preach it in our homes and we hear it day by day and we read it day by day and we think about Christ and we think about who God is, when we go to Him in prayer, is it done so worshipfully in response to Him revealing Himself to us through His name or is it merely wasting His name and going, well, I guess that's God up there. That's the man upstairs. He's not the man upstairs. He's God. The Lord God. Jehovah, Elohim, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want us for just a moment to not only consider our God, but to consider our guilt of this. There's three ways in which we break this commandment. I'm going to go through them briefly. First of all is irreverence. Would you agree? Irreverence? We can use God's name irreverently? This is the technicality of the command. Now remember, if the law was only about technicalities, we could keep it. And that's what the Pharisees believe they did. The Pharisees kept the technicalities of the law. We often, we, we villainize the Pharisees. And they were rough. You know why? Because they didn't believe the Lord Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, they wanted Him dead. But you know where the Pharisees were born? The Pharisees started to get back to a purity and a holiness that had been lost throughout the ages. They meant well, but what they did, instead of just obeying the law of God, is that they added to the law of God corrupting the law of God and actually disobeying the law of God all the while saying that they obey the law of God and nobody else does. That was the Pharisees. And it's not much different than us today. The irreverence that we hear, we first think about the cursing. God's name should not be used to curse. Would you agree? We shouldn't be hearing H as Jesus' middle name. We should not be hearing GD thrown about like it's nothing. It should make us cringe to use the name of God irreverently. Many of us get very riled up over it. The reason why we've got to understand we get riled up over it is because His name is who He is, His name reveals to us what He's like. And so when we hear his name used as a curse word. We should be appalled because we should be appalled by anything that does not reverence the Lord our God. Now, this commandment is more than cursing. But it's not less than that's the bottom dollar there. So if we think this morning because we don't say G.D. or uh, Jesus Christ in a bad way that we're keeping the commandment. That's only a technicality. Technicality doesn't keep the command. It's the heart behind the words. More than just the words. Words are bad. They can be used wrongly. But notice the motivation of the heart. And the carelessness that happens as well. Perhaps one of the favorite phrases, even still after about 15 years of texting being a real thing and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram is O M G. Now how many times I've heard someone say O M G and then they realize, oh, maybe I shouldn't say that. But well, it stands for goodness. O M good. Oh my goodness, or oh my gosh. What is gosh and goodness replacing? What is replacing? It's replacing the name of God, isn't it? Gosh just makes you feel better about not saying God, and then goodness. You say, oh my goodness. Well, that's a problem in and of itself. You know why? I've got no goodness. Any goodness I've got is His goodness. Now I'm saying His goodness, and that's not good because what did God preach to Moses? I'm going to let my goodness, He's abundant in goodness. That's His name. So we've got cursing, and we say, well, we don't break that, so I'm good on this command. Let's get to the next one. Or we understand that carelessness with our irreverence is just the same as saying, Oh my God. But if we are just trying to avoid certain words, we're missing the message of the command. If right now you're asking yourself, Pastor, this is fine and all, but just tell me what words I can say and we're good, that's not what God does here. He simply says, Don't take my name and use it vainly. So today our outlook should not be tell me what words I can say when I leave from here and not feel bad about it. It should be I've got to reverence the Lord's name because it's who He is. And I see that I often carelessly use it. It's ingrained in our culture to say OMG. Oh my goodness. Oh my this. Oh my that. But it should be in our new nature to want to hold the name of Christ high above anything. Not that we are afraid to say his name, but rather we're fearful to use it vainly. Does that make sense? All right. Second thing is this, not just irreverence, but the identity. As we've talked about, this is not just merely a technicality of keeping the command It's what we're associating his name with because what God says his name is, he associates with his attributes, his actions, and his authority. So therefore, when we use the the name of God, irreverently, what we're doing is we're putting a stamp on something that's sinful onto God's name. Could be cursing. Could be replacement of cursing. That's not much good either, right? But identity is the heart of the command. There's two groups of people that do this. And there's the only two groups of people that are probably in this church today. One, the ones that break this command are the false converts. False convert breaks this and doesn't even know it. (coughs) The false convert breaks this command because they identify with God yet don't have union in Christ. They don't know Christ. They've never bowed to Christ. They've never been saved. They've never been born again. So not only do they not have union with Christ, but they don't have communion, but proclaiming, oh, I'm saved. Well, how do you know you're saved? Well, I got baptized. That's not it. Well, I'm saved because I I, I did this, I did that. If our testimony begins with I, we got to change that up. God saved me. I was lost. He wasn't. Nobody was having to look for Jesus. He came looking for me because I was lost. I was blind. I was dead. And he saved me. That's the testimony of any believer. He saved me. The vilest offender, the vilest of sinners, the the one who deserved it, he saved me. That's my testimony. That's it. So, when we say that we're a Christian and we're not, we've broken this because we're identifying with something that we're not. So, today, if you are not a true convert, if not a true believer, there's an easy way to stop breaking this command. And it's to obey the only command that we are truly called to do and it'll take care of the rest. Repent and believe the gospel. That's it. But the second group, and this is possibly the rest of us, these are the Christians who are often fleshly. We claim the name of Jesus, but we have a poor representation of His name. And our homes, we're one way. And our church, we're one way. At work, we're one way. At Walmart, we're another way. At the restaurant, we're another way. Around our family, extended at Christmas and whenever we get together, Thanksgiving, we're another way. And so what we're doing is we are saying, I'm a Christian, I'm saved, but I don't really live like it except for where I'm supposed to live like it. Well, if we're saved, we are to live like it everywhere. Not because we're trying to be saved, but because we are saved. I don't have to try to live a Christian life. If I'm saved, I am a Christian, and that is my new nature. That is what my life will look like in obedience to the Lord and His Gospel, day by day, moment by moment. So here's what happens. Now we find that if this is about just an an identity and not merely the technicality of a few phrases that we should avoid, then we find out, oops! I broke the command here when I didn't proclaim Jesus to my lost co-worker that I knew I should have. I've broken this command when I said I was a Christian and I cussed like everybody else at work. Now, I, I broke this command when I took my wife and my kids and we argued on the way to church. We went to church. We smiled everybody. When I got home, I did nothing with them the rest of the week. We didn't read our Bible. We didn't pray. And I didn't really care if they did as long as they didn't bother me. I worked too hard to get bothered. We've broken that command. This is living with union. Saved, but the communion's not there. And that's not good, Christian. Don't put God's name on things that are not His will, His word, or His work. Third way that we break this is our own ignorance. To be honest, sometimes we exclaim the name of God and we don't even know that we've taken it. You know how many times we say, Oh, M goodness, Oh, M gosh, right? All these things, Oh, my God. We say these things. It just rolls right off. It's just natural. It's natural because that's what we fed for so long. We've bought into the lie that God's name is not to be revered as God says it should be revered. It's damaged our hearts. It's damaged our homes. This is a sin of being simply ignorant and unaware. The Bible tells us all the time, I would not have you be ignorant, brethren. We should not be ignorant here in the intellect nor in our emotions, but rather God should have our mind's attention and our heart's affection day by day, moment by moment. And lastly, we've got to consider not just our God and our guilt, we've got to consider the gospel, and this is how we wrap it up in a nice bow today. If we stop today, then it's just Poo is nothing it's worthless it's vain it's fruitless and if today all you get is pastor joe says that saying oh M gosh is bad and i'm just such a bad christian we've missed it because we haven't looked further to the gospel if we see these commands and we see how heavy and how difficult they are then guess what we've done is we've missed what jesus did for us and you've missed the whole point of the command is that i can't keep this but christ kept it on my behalf Jesus was obedient unto the Father, even unto death for me on my behalf. When Adam sinned, he sinned on your behalf. And guess what? You were born a sinner and you kept, keep sinning. You sin because you're a sinner. You're not a sinner because you sin. Notice that. And now those of us who have trusted Christ in the beautiful gospel of the Lord Jesus, what we find is that while I can't keep this perfectly, Christ did. But therefore, it should drive me daily to the Gospel. It should fill my heart with joy knowing that my sins are forgiven. I have blasphemed in the name of my God more than I care to count. And I will probably do so, not probably, I will do so more until the day I die. But Christ has pardoned me. And if we miss that, you miss the whole point of the command. The Gospel is the point of the command. Jesus came to this earth bearing the name of God because He's the God-man. And He would not, could not, did not sin. He perfectly obeyed. He perfectly and lovingly died for us. Rose again for us on our behalf. So, Without the grace of the Gospel, we would be hopeless and helpless. It is the gospel that now unites us to His name, to the name of Jesus. It is the gospel that now unites us and gives us hope and gives us communion with God. Now we both have union and communion, not just with Christ, but as church with one another. So that means this, when your brother or your sister, you hear them and they say, oh, and gosh, when they take the name of the Lord, your God in vain, know this, if they are in Christ, their sins are forgiven and you don't have to be the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does and know this, that there is hope Every sin has hope in the Gospel. Our guilt is great. His grace is greater. Our sins are many. His mercy is more. And so if we view these commands as being preached or just read, or we go, well, I can't keep them, so what's the point? And we get angry and we want to justify ourselves. What we must do is we've got to get to the Gospel. Because if not, we've missed the boat. And we'll be just like the Pharisee and the hypocrite, Worrying ourselves to death to keep the technicality of the law all the while breaking it because our heart is not right in communion with God. At the cross, our disobedience is imputed to Christ. and His obedience is imputed to us and we believe and we can partake of this fellowship that we now have with Him. The Gospel saves not just from damnation for eternity, but as well the despair of the here and now when we do sin. If your heart troubles you and your heart condemns you, is what 1 John says, God is greater than our heart. I have blasphemed the name of my God. But God saved me. But He pardoned me and punished Christ. Acts chapter 4 tells us this. Neither is there salvation or any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Philippians chapter 2. Talking about Jesus, who being in the form of God thought not robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation and took upon Him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's His name. That's His character. That's His attributes. That's His action. That's His authority. To the glory of God the Father so that our life can look like this. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. The Gospel is our strength and our salvation to obey the commands of God. If you're trying to obey God outside of looking at the Gospel, you'll never obey Him. Nor will we find help and Time of trouble when we do disobey God. And that is far too often that we care to admit. What the Gospel does it drives us to humility, but it drives us like Moses there when God shows us His name and peels it back so we can see His glory. When we see the name of God, it drives us to our face to worship the Lord. And there's not a better place in this world to be. A worshiping heart will lead to a worshiping home. Worshiping homes, worshipful homes, will be a church that knows God and worships God. And a church that knows how to worship God will be a church that knows how to work for God. Then that's when we'll be the hands and the feet of Christ. And it all begins with His precious name. Let me ask you today, as we bring this to a close, how is the name of Jesus Christ treated in your heart, in your home? Is it a part of your life? Is it a curse word in your life? Is there just a replacement for that word in your life? Is it revered in your life? Does it draw you to worship in your life? How do we think of the name of Jesus? How do we speak His name? Are we in awe of His name? Or are we being found in abuse of His name? Today, Mr. Wayne's going to come and play this piano, and we're going to have a time of invitation. Today, it's very simple. One, if you don't know Christ, if you are that false convert, and you've said, "I've tried keeping God's laws, and I just can't do it." No, of course you can't. So Jesus did it for you. You must trust in Him. He died for you. He rose again for you. Turn to the gospel. Repent of your sins. Ask Christ to save you. He says, "All those who come to Him, He will no likewise cast out. He will not cast you out. Come to Him." Come to His mercy. There is mercy for you today. Be saved today. And to you, dear Christian, you have two choices. And what you do in this moment will determine how the rest of your day and your week is going to go. Either one, you can go, well, it's not that bad. Or I'm not that bad. And we can leave out of here self-justified. And we can leave out of here missing the Gospel. Or two, we can look at the cross and the resurrected Lord, and see Him there with His name shining bright before us. And may we come needy. May we come humble and worshipful and ask Him, Lord, cleanse my mind, cleanse my mouth, cleanse my heart. Let me glorify Your name every day until I see You. That's it. What will we do with the name of God today? Let's all stand this morning. This altar's open.